you are listening to the wild soul podcast a podcast for the wild ones join me your host queen namaste as we embark on a journey to find our true north and our own unique path from wild inspired conversations to searching for life's hidden gems and meanings with a little dash of crazy in between because really who doesn't want to dance to the beat of their own drum What is going on, my soul fam? Welcome to the Wild Soul Podcast. I am your host, Queen Namaste, and you are listening to the pod where we talk about all things wild. Nothing is left off the table, and amazing, beautiful, wonderful wild souls come on this podcast and share their knowledge with you and me, and the world gets a little brighter. So thank you for joining, and if you are a returning subscriber, what's up? I love you. Thank you for your support. Yeah, happy freaking hump day, everybody. Guess what? If you didn't know, we're like six days into October 6th, 7th. What freaking day is it right now even? It's the 7th. What's up? Number 7. 7. 7. 7. If you get my reference, you're dope. (laughs) Um, And if you didn't know how amazing October is with all the pumpkins and the festivities that you can do in October and the corn mazes and the haunted houses and all that jazz, it's even a little bit more lit this October because I am hosting an illumination series with my girl, Jen Lang, who is a sound healer. We kicked it off with a full moon on the 1st of October and there's a new moon on the 16th and then there's a full moon on the 31st Halloween whoo spooky we won't be doing the full moon on the 31st it's on the 30th however what's different about this time is it's virtual during these times that we got can't really meet up uh, in big groups so we're doing it virtual which is awesome because people from other places in the world can all be connected so and don't be bummed out if you miss the first one they're all recorded if you join the series and these are powerful to do not just on the full moon but whenever so there's breath work meditation there's sound healing there's reflection we got a facebook group with some journaling prompts so if that sounds like something up your alley please feel free to direct message me at queen.namaste on the gram. The link is in my bio on there. You can also go to queennamaste.com for more info. So I hope to see you there at the next one on October 16th. Woot! And I'm really excited to share with you this episode as I interviewed my friend, my new friend, Brent Raymond. And it's pretty crazy. I was going to say wild. I say wild too much, but whatever. It's the Wild Soul Podcast. So yeah, it's wild that Brent had actually lived in my hometown basically his whole life until he traveled the world for a bit. This is so funny that you can live in one place on the planet and like there's so many people on the planet wow you live one one place your whole life and you don't even meet people that could like potentially live like two doors down so interesting so we connected and I was on his podcast last week chakras and shit which is a dope podcast he has amazing people on there I've already learned so much from listening to them so go ahead and give him a like and a follow and a subscribe a subscribe (laughs) subscribe to it and basically today we talk about 
whew, what do we not talk about? We talk about Brent and how he was working the whole nine to five and drinking and drugging and said, you know what, enough. And he decided to volunteer and travel the world for a long time and all the lessons he learned through there. We talk about his ayahuasca experience. If anyone is interested or wanting to know more about ayahuasca and what that entails. And we also talked about ADHD in adults. And I learned some stuff for sure in this episode. And if you are wondering, maybe you suffer from, you know, not suffer, maybe you struggle a little bit with not focusing or you might be on the spectrum somewhat, but you didn't even know. Um, Really great information in this podcast. Uh, It was definitely insightful. So if this podcast resonates with you or if you like it or if you just want to help support the pod, take a screenshot of this episode Share it on your favorite social media platform and tag the Wild Soul Podcast and also tag Brent too at the Playful Paladin. He is the Playful Paladin. So let's just stop talking, Shannon, and just let's get into the interview with Brent because it's a good one. It's a little long, but I know you guys can handle it. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I appreciate you all. And again, call to action if you are still wanting to join us for the month of October. Make it a month to remember. Make it the month you level the frick up. And let's just make it a month where we go hard for the last few months of 2020. I know, you know, this year's been bananas, but such a year of growth, such a great year if you want to think of it that way. So that's how I'm thinking about it. Let's get this party started with the Playful Paladin, a.k.a. Mr. Brent Raymond, everybody. Welcome, Brent, the Playful Paladin to the Wild Soul Podcast. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you for being here. I'm super stoked. I don't know what we're going to talk about, but it's going to be awesome. Okay. (laughs) Are you you nervous? No. No, No. you're not? Not at all. No, the last time I was nervous was June 28th, 2008. What was that? I was standing at the altar in a Catholic church marrying uh, a woman in Slovakia. You were married. I know. Surprise. (laughs) In 2008. Was that before or after everything crashed in the stock market? In the stock market? I thought you were going to say my marriage. Oh, <laughs> no. Wasn't that like the year everything went to shit? Yeah, it was. The, yeah, good yeah, point. Yeah. What, an, what an ominous year. What a terrible <laughs> year to get married. Uh, if I'd thought of it that way, who knows where I would have ran to <laughs> instead. Oh, we can talk about all of that stuff, but what I nope. usually no, nope? okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, what I love to ask my guests, the first question is, who is, who is, who are they? <laughs> so, who is the playful paladin? Who is Brent? Who is the playful paladin, or who is Brent? Which one do you want to know? Oh, let's do the playful paladin. Okay, the playful paladin is the stand that I am. In Mastery One, during the uh, excellent seminars, my fourth weekend or my fourth course with them, we go really deep into childhood traumas, the worst thing you've ever done in your life, uh, the, thing, the thing that's the thing that's in your underbelly. For me, it was around having never been a father 
having wanted that to, as, to be sort of the, the dream of my life, uh, my relationship with my personal father. And you go into some, it's mastery. So you really go deep. I really went deep. I'll try and use I statements. And that day or that weekend, trying to figure out what I stand for in life, I was lost. I was very lost. Or at least I was lost earlier in that year. I'd started to become found and be in alignment with who I was really meant to be. So the playful paladin was a long three-day exercise working out who I really am, what I'm here to do. The playful part was easy because I've always valued fun. I've, I've, been play, I've played games with people my whole life. Some of my, my best memories with any of the homes I owned or any of the, the girls that I was with or any of the, the groups that I was a part of, it was always games night. I loved games night. I loved, I loved playing Monopoly or Scrabble or chess or uh, rock band, uh, bringing people together for sporting competitions. I love to play. So playful was easy. Paladin is a nickname that Charlemagne gave to the knights of his empire in the 8th century or something like that. Any historians can look that up. Basically, he had 12 or 13 knights that defended the territory, defended the, the, the empire. And chess being my heart game. If I, if I could do one thing the rest of my life with another human being, it would be play chess forever. I love chess. There's something about chess. It's the only game on earth with no luck involved. Mono a mono, complicated moves. And there's something about the knight. The knight is the only one that can jump. The knight has these erratic movements. You never know where he's going to go. He's good early in the game. He's not bad late in the game, but he's really good early in the game. And I've always been a fast starter and not a great finisher. So there's something about the knight. And Playful paladin flowed because a paladin is a defender of a noble cause, uphold the rules of the kingdom, but with the freedom to, to roam the countryside. So I just, I fell in love with that, that moniker, if you will. It's my stand. It became my Instagram handle, my coaching business, uh, a men's coaching business is called the Paladin Project. It just flows off the tongue, playful paladin, and it's unique and it's me. So, so that's who I am. And underneath and all around it is this guy named Brent too. Um, and I guess I've evolved in some ways from, from Brent into the Paladin. That's beautiful. I love that. Thank and thank you for your reference to chess because I was never really, I never played board games when I was younger. Chess was the only game in our house and my dad and I would play and he would teach me and I would never win. And I was like, wow, this is so interesting and challenging. And it's like, how do I get better at this? And like, now I want to kind of like play chess because you got to be smart to play chess. You, well, you're, it's, you, yeah. you better, you, you should be smart. <laughs> you don't have to be smart. Well, he's like, it does take thought though, you know? And I was always so fascinated by the people that like play it and they time it, you know, like in the park and stuff. And <laughs> they like, yeah. you have to, yeah, you time yourself by how long it takes you to think of your next move. And I'm like, it would take me literally forever. I'm like, hmm, I could do this, I could do this, I could do this. So many different options. Well, it, it, and, and like I said, it's the only game, it's the only game ever developed that I can think of where there's zero luck involved. You, you do not get lucky and win chess. You put, your, you, you put your opponent or you put your defenses up in such a scenario that when they make a mistake, 
which some would perceive as, oh, you got lucky. I moved my bishop here. Well, no, you, I knew my opponent would do this. I had these backup plans in place because you could have moved anything and you chose to move that one. I happen to have a counter move over and above that one to beat you. There's no luck involved. You can't, you can't get lucky and lose. You can't get lucky and win. Having said that, the speed chess that you're talking about, uh -huh. the guys in the park, that's not my, I have a quick thinking brain, don't get me wrong, but that's not my style. I will lose it that way. I will lose it that way probably half the time. But if you give me unlimited time limit, mano a mano, old school chess rules with en passant and castling and you touch a piece, you move a piece, real proper, take as much time as you need. I've only lost three games in 20 years wow. that way. Yeah. But I've lost probably hundreds of games in speed chess. Mm. So, yeah. So it's just, it's the greatest game on earth. You got me inspired yeah. to play it. Thank you. I'll play you. Oh, I'm nervous. You, you don't win. You don't lose. But I would like to learn how, like, little, you know, the tricks. Because I'm sure there's some tricks. Or some move that you would like do every single time almost, like instantaneously, the first couple moves maybe. I don't know. Who knows? Okay, sweet. So you, the Playful Paladin, you have a coaching business that has also spawned from that name too. I love your name and what you stand for and your journey. Can you talk about um, what led you to that point? Like who was Brent before Playful Paladin? Whew, this might take a few shows. Yeah. I, I will start, I'll just, I'll, I'll put my twenties and thirties together mm -hmm. because although I've done the forgiveness work on this, uh, maybe not all of it, but, but enough of it to, to be okay with the idea that I was probably doing my best. I don't fully believe that statement because I know inside I could have done better. I just wasn't ready to do better. So the, that forgiveness work, uh, I will get to, but I've always had a good heart. I've always had a good heart clouded in a giant ego. So my 20s and 30s, because things came easy to me at an early age, my mother said when I was seven, she saw something switch in me where she got a little worried because she said, uh-oh, Brent just figured out that things always come easy to him, so he probably doesn't have to do the work to make things happen. Did, did she, sorry, did she say that to you as a seven-year-old? No, she said it to me as a 42-year-old. Oh, wow. <laughs> Looking okay, back so at kept, it. Oh, she kept it yeah. to herself. Okay. Yeah, so I was, a, I was a super smart kid, like, like ridiculously smart, um, because her and my godmother spent an incredible amount of time with me at a very early age teaching me things like chess and, and math and counting and, and the English language and whatnot. So I, got, I went into kindergarten grade one, two, three, four, five, Eagle Ridge Elementary, shout out to Port Moody. I, I was really advanced. I was in enrichment and just sort of ahead of most kids when it, when it came to the educational process. Problem was, it came easy to me. So I kind of coasted from age seven to age 39. You know, and again, I honor myself and, and the journey that I've been on and the things that I've learned. But I... I was the presenter during my, uh, my university years where we were in a comp, we were in a commerce, I was getting a commerce degree. The guys that cared about the education would do all the work. I would present, we get 24 out of 25 on our group project, yada, yada, yada. I got a degree. 
my first job out of university, which I had a major in hotel and restaurant management, was at Capilano Golf Club. Uh, I was the assistant food and beverage manager. Pretty prestigious job for a 23-year-old. I was being groomed to be the clubhouse manager there. Year and a half into that, my father met a gentleman and he, he basically said, I'm in the equipment finance industry and I have, I'm looking for a young, hungry salesman who can sell equipment finance, develop relationships with end users and, and, and vendors. There's two ands, by the way. We're doing an and counter here. For those who don't know, I'm in Toastmasters and in Toastmasters, <laughs> they, they're like little policemen for filler words. I said um quite a bit when I first started speaking on Zoom and it switched to ands. So I'm trying to catch myself on ands. So if you see me stop uh, for a second after an and, I'm just doing a little check mark on my page here. I, I believe I'm at three, but I will listen to this recording and, and add more as we go along. You know what? That's interesting because I <laughs> catch myself saying um a lot too and like way too much. I'm like, God damn it. However, I was going to say, you said, uh, <laughs> 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 you said, but, and sometimes I have been, I just said and, um, have been taught to say and instead of but, because whenever you say something, like you're like, I loved myself, blah, 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 but it kind of like cancels everything you just said. Whereas and is more of a connecting word and it gives more of a possibility. Okay. I like the positive spin. I like the positive spin. <laughs> for me, for me, it's why not take a breath or, or have your thought, there's an or, or, have a thought <laughs> be filled with a nice, calm silence and then speak like this. <laughs> okay, cool. Perhaps make words form in my head before they come out of my voice. Love it. So it's a process and a practice and I'm working on it. Thank you for bringing it to my attention because I'm going to <laughs> <laughs> count my, my butts and hands and ums. Nice. Continue. Count your butts. So <laughs> I went into the equipment finance world and instantly was quite successful. I worked really hard my first two or three years, made President's Club in year two. The next nine or 10 years were the 100,000 the 100, plus club. I did not work hard. I managed relationships with my vendors and my lessees. I, I was pretty rude and arrogant towards the administration staff at the office. I didn't treat my assistants well. I expected them to do the dirty work. I'd be at the pub or at the golf course schmoozing guests. And I played the role of the entitled salesman for, for most of my 20s into my mid-30s. It led to some decisions in my adult life that I wouldn't be proud of in regards to drug and alcohol use, some of my relationships, ultimately my marriage. But all the while, I was I look back and I was a bit of a coward. I just, I just, I never stood up for myself. I let people walk all over me. I, I had a friendship group where we, we just beat the shit out of each other. We were, we were rude. We were mean. We held each other back. It, it was like this, this cycle of guilt and fear and resentment. And it was just kind of gross. And I was at the center of it. And I'd like to think that each one of my friends that were in that were also at the center of their friendship group. And we had this just sort of toxic relationship. There was a lot of toxicity in my 20s and 30s. Made some money in real estate, had a bunch of cash in my, in my account. But something was off. Something was missing. I, I I didn't have, I didn't become a father. I had two chances with two, two women that, that 
that gave me that, that chance. One was my wife, one was a girlfriend after her. It didn't work out for me. I became a stepfather for a couple of years, got to see the beauty of what it's like to have, you know, young girls in my life was a really good stepfather, was more of a cool uncle than a, than a hard-nosed dad kind of thing. And it's weird when you're a stepfather because the real father was still in their life and I couldn't quite parent the way I, I would have if they were my own children. And then something happened. I, I, I had tons of cash in the bank account. I wasn't fulfilled. I should have been fulfilled. There was a calling. There was a spirit. There was something in my soul aching to get out. And it would have And there's four. It would have, it would have, it was starting to eat away at me. I was 38 or 39 or so. And I just didn't feel like an adult. I didn't feel like a man. I didn't feel like myself. There was something in my soul that wanted to get out. So I started reading a book called Spontaneous Happiness by Dr. Andrew Vail. He does a bunch of re research in, a, in, in all, all arenas, spirituality, religion, success in work, relationships, healthy eating habits, what vitamins to take. He basically takes a bunch of experts' opinions, put them all together in one book, and gives you ways to get your life back on track. That led to A New Earth by Eckhart Tolle, which was the only book I've ever read in my life where I literally read every single paragraph twice because of how profound that was to me. So I started to learn about the, the, this idea of being present. I never knew what present was. I'd, I, again, the forgiveness work in, in, in hand, I don't know that I was present for 20 years of my adult life. I don't know if it was that seven-year-old boy who everything came easy to, who knew he could just coast through and figure it out eventually, but eventually I figured it out. I did. And it came in the form of an awakening in early December in a finance job in my office. I finished a book called Unfuck Yourself. The last paragraph was a slap in the face. And I, I, I wrote to my girlfriend at the time. I said, here's what's going to change. I'm going to remove the games from my phone. That might sound like a small thing to someone. But as the playful paladin who played games his whole life, when you all of a sudden have, when I all of a sudden have Clash of Clans, Clash Royale, Candy Crush, and Golf Clash, all on my phone, I had level 10 townhouse in Clash of Clans. I had 4,000 victories in Clash Royale. I was on level 2,300 in Candy Crush. And I had like $100 million in Golf Clash. I went delete, 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 delete. Do you know how hard it is to accomplish, and I use the word accomplish lightly, those four things in those four games? No, hours no and hours. <laughs> a lot of long poos. You, <laughs> sit on the, you sit on the toilet for a long time. Oh my so, God, did you say level like 2300 in Candy Crush? Is that what you said? Yeah, yeah. so your friend Lisa uh, showed me Candy Crush <laughs> in 2015. 14. And I got to level 2300 by 2016. 2000, so I, I, that game's so easy to me. Dude. <laughs> Dude. But how much time did I take? Now, exactly. I did go around the world. There's times in hostels when I'm lying in a bed and I, I did a lot of traveling. There was times by myself. But what a fucking waste of time. I've come to realize I didn't realize I had ADHD the entire time. So that's a whole other journey. But I don't want to blame it on that. But that certainly played a role. I have no doubt. So 2,300 in Candy Crush, well, 4,000 wins in Clash, Roy in, in, in Clash Royale. That's a three-minute attack towers game. 
Level 10 in Candy Crush or in, uh, in Clash of Clans, that takes a long, long, long time when you're not using gems. So moral of the story, thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands and thousands of hours, some would say wasted. I would say it was teaching me a lesson because the day of my awakening, those four things went away. I was 213 pounds in the worst shape of my life. I'd quit CrossFit earlier that year. I had a, a diet of alcohol and burgers and decided that, that that needs to change. So I switched to keto. So I went on a ketogenic diet, which my sister had told me about a couple of days earlier. I was like, done. Bacon and cheese and I lose weight. Sounds great. And gave, her, gave my girlfriend the key to the wine cabinet where we had 250 bottles of wine and scotch and whatever else. So made the changes that led to my sister, God bless her, saying, thank God, I finally see you making changes that I've been hoping you would make for a long, long time. I'm going to put you in touch with Jeff Brown. He's going to tell you about the pursuit of excellence. Pursuit of excellence, you've done Landmark. Pursuit of excellence was the greatest three-day awakening of my life. I... With these books that I've been learning about presence, now I had a chance to practice them. I was given real life tools that I could implement in my life Monday morning. You get out of the, you get, I got out of the, the classroom on a Sunday evening. By Monday morning, I had an accountability, responsibility model. I, I appreciated the 100% of the things that I attracted into my life were all because of me. I was at the center of my own universe and the negative friends, the alcohol, the abuse, the, the excuses, the, the cowardice, all the things, all my... My, my ghosts and beasts and, and dark energy was all because I was at the center of it. And this course gave me the kick in the ass I really needed to live in my light, to, to become the best version of myself, to, to become a better human being. So I take those tools back to my relationship and she thinks it's selfish. She looks at it and goes, my mother is sick. We've got these girls to take care of. You're just being selfish again. In her view, my selfishness was the games. It was the lack of presence. It was the things I was doing for myself. It was the money in the bank account just going lower and lower every day because I didn't care about making money for our future. And I'm like, on the, I'm going, whoa, 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 whoa. No, this is me coming alive for the first time in my life. This is me finally understanding who I am. I'm going to ride this train because I'm on a high right now. And this is going to be for the, be the best thing that could possibly happen to me, my life. But more, most importantly for her, it was going to help our relationship. It was going to allow me to be the best stepfather. It was going to give me the chance to be the man she always wanted me to be. Valentine's Day was two weeks later. We broke up. She didn't, I didn't even get a chance to become the person that she deserved me to be. And I deserve to be for her. We had a family trip planned to Mexico and uh, Palm Springs for mid-March. We still went on the family trip. The girls were devastated. They were 9 and 11 or, or 8 and 10. We still went on the family trip. They, they went to Nuevo Vallarta in the hotel that we had booked and I had paid for, we had paid for. I decided to go to Sayalita, which is down the road, and get my advanced scuba diving certificate. In between that, I had done The Wall, which is the second in the Excellence series, and really started to understand who I was. I made peace with my father. Uh, or at least, I, no, that's not true. I learned my responsibility in my relationship with my father that I knew I could take to, to real life, and that became the most important relationship in my life. Unfortunately, 
it fizzled away with her. She's moved on. I've moved on. And it led me to some other breakthroughs. I mean, how long do you want me to keep going to today? Like, where do, you want to stop me at some point here? I can just... <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. No, I'm so interested in your story. It's really great. You have a lot of little nuggets along the way. You were sick and tired of being sick and tired and you had that excellence course to really propel you and put you on this upward spiral as opposed to the downward spiral that you were on, correct? You're yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. The books, the games that you deleted, and then this excellence course kind of helped you see what you were missing in life and kind of gave you a direction of where to go. Yes. Yes. Yeah. And it's, um, I, I feel you on the taking the course thing and then like you're on such a high. And again, you have these tools that you will have forever to help you with life. And then everybody else that you come back to like, quote unquote, the normal life and no one else, (laughs) no one else knows what you went through the past three days. And then a lot of people think you're freaking nuts. And, you know, and it's like the going, you have the choice to go back into the same way of being, or you can show up and be this new person. But a lot of the people that know you think that it's either, oh, this is just, a, it's not going to last, or this is just an act, or it's like, what the heck? I'm losing him. He's not the same person as he was. Yeah. And it's yeah. a struggle. Yeah. So I feel you. Totally. Yeah. And, and there's, and there, then, then I'm balancing this fine line between, do I, do I stay in the same friendship groups? Do I try to help them? Uh, it didn't work out with the girlfriend. If she had just waited a month, we probably, you know, who knows where our lives would be, but I'm, I'm grateful for the journey I've had to be the person I am today. And I realized I have a lot more work to do. A lot more. This is just the beginning. Because honestly, I spent, I spent 20 years not learning much. And that's, and again, I don't believe that. It's not true. I learned a shit ton. But it wasn't conscious growth learning. It was a bit of a ego cycle of money and trips and, and instant gratification and carnage along the way and a lot, of, a lot of drinking, a lot of drugs. It was fun. It was super fun. I, I look back and go, wow, I had, a lot, I had a lot of fun. But it's a lot more fun now than it ever was in a, in a more mature way. I feel like I'm finally, finally becoming an adult in my <laughs> 40s, right? <laughs> I don't feel that way. Yet. I actually just started sort of adulting literally last month. Just, start. just yeah. started. <laughs> so yeah. I feel you on that one. Totally. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and then the last two years since then has been this just incredible spiritual awakening that I never saw coming. I, I zero spiritual energy, zero. And it started with Anara, who I think you said you saw one of my podcasts. So Nara's on one of my podcasts and she, she brought me into the quantum field for the first time. It was an identity development session where someone sets an intention or a sentence of their life and we resonate each word, the resonators. And we tapped into childhood energy and, and I became art and Darren became right and Michelle became the, and I noticed that might not make a lot of sense, but we all were connected energy and I went, whoa, okay, these books that I'm reading, now I'm starting to see what this is like in real life. Now I get what Dr. Joe Dispenza is saying. Now I understand what presence is. Now, then I started feeling my higher self for the first time in my life. So I did what any middle-aged, recently divorced for the second time or divorced-ish man would do. I sold my company. 
I sold my truck. I had an epiphany around leaping into service. I started researching disaster stricken uh, areas of the world and volunteer organizations. And I went, I'm just going to be in service and I don't care what it costs. I don't care where it takes me. I'm going around the world. I'm starting in Lombok, Indonesia to help with the earthquake that happened there in 2018. I, I sold everything, put, it, put, a, a, put what I needed into a 70 liter backpack and then went on a 13 and a half month journey around the world, which was my third journey around the world uh, in the last five years, but did it with a purpose and did it to give back and understand. And it opened me up to um, a spirituality and, and this, the idea that we're all connected and um, it's, um, it led me <laughs> home, which is sort of weird, but amazing. Home as in Port Moody. As in Port Moody, BC. Port Moody, BC. What up? My home too. Isn't it so yeah. crazy how like you can live in like the same area for a long time, but not even know your neighbor almost? Like <laughs> I didn't know any of my neighbors growing up in Port Moody. And you lived, you lived in Port Moody. Like, you would never know. Yeah. It's so, it's so cool. Um, oops, I just said um too. <laughs> <laughs> good, good thing I can edit this though, so I can just edit the ums out. <laughs> so, you went around the world. That is uh, something that you can honestly, when, when we travel, it's, it makes us richer. Mm-hmm. It's the only thing that we can buy that actually makes us richer. And you had a few experiences when you were traveling. I believe um, ayahuasca was one. Ayahuasca was but one. Ayahuasca was one. And you've spoken before that your journey is for yourself. Right. Your shaman said that you don't really have to talk about it because it's for you. However, some people may be curious about it. I always like to hear what people got out of it. And sometimes there's power in sharing. Sure. Maybe there's even just like a lesson or something that you learned about yourself through that journey. Do you want to, if you'd like to talk about it at all, give you free reign? I, I will. <laughs> yeah. yeah. With respect to Johan, who was my shaman, he's, he's a, a Dutch man, South African. There's a very strong connection between the Dutch and the South Africans. Somewhat checkered past, but nonetheless... He studied in Peru to become a proper shaman, really understand and respect the medicine. Ayahuasca at its core is a healing plant medicine. It is meant for healing. The worry with a drug that drug, okay, so I called it a drug just then. <laughs> medicine. <laughs> a medicine that is that powerful of a hallucinogen is how easily it could be abused. You think of heroin or acid or you know, pick something that, that, that takes you to other dimensions and lets you see shapes and sounds and, and sights and multidimensional things that you cannot see with your regular brain. You cannot go to the places I went to on ayahuasca without help, without assistance. Mm-hmm. So it needs to be respected. Agreed. I did a full three-day journey in Johannesburg, South Africa, July of last year, because I was ready, because I was open to it, because I'd done mushrooms over a hundred times in my life, 
including uh, the most recent time was on Gili Trawangan in Indonesia. So I'm used. <laughs> I'm I'm used Gilly to be. <laughs> yeah, Gilly but tea for was, life. Gil, was Gili was that with you doing mushrooms? That a party setting in Gili tea, or was that a ceremonial setting? Uh, no, at a party. It oh, was, yeah, it was yeah, at yeah. a hostel where it was. It was. We can get it for you. Sit in this chair and and hold on tight. <laughs> it was amazing. So so I, I had experimented with mushrooms in my early twenties, camping recreationally. It you know the one thing that you can do to open up your brain and not have a hangover in the morning. Very natural. Some microdosing in there, some music festivals, some random weekends. Sometimes people would just show up at your house with it, right? So I had, I had been down this road around, probably around 100 times, I would say. So I'm used to allowing my body to go to a, let's call it the fourth dimension. To go to the fourth dimension, which means your brain opens up and you start questioning physics. I start questioning physics. The trees will, will move in a way they can't move Monday to Friday, nine to five kind of thing. Sights and sounds and fire and heat and your, your senses are just enhanced. Mushrooms is child's play compared to ayahuasca. Ayahuasca is, is the, is the big boy and <clears throat> that's and right here <laughs> is it the big the big girl you would say ayahuasca is a it's female plant fair yeah, enough female. yeah so I, masculine <laughs> and feminine see i'm new to the spiritual journey what's masculine what's feminine I'm, i was thinking about golf trying to, i was trying to do a golf analogy how the big dog eats and i just went with big boy which sounds oh. like this. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> thinking about, I'm thinking about austin, austin powers and the spaceship johnson um, <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome it was a three-day ceremony. I was ready for it. It was in Johannesburg, which is a very scary city, so I was happy to be inside for three days. It was a conference room, would be the best way to put it. It was just an open space. A yoga studio would be a better way of saying it. A yoga studio, candles, blankets, comfort, and the most important thing they had in that room, a toilet. You need a toilet and a garbage can very close to you because, and these are the sort of things I don't think you want all the details, but ayahuasca <laughs> is a, a shooter. You take a shooter, you drink it, you lie down and you wait within 45 minutes to an hour with some incredible music, the music with the, I guess the didgeridoos and, and some of the songs that Johan learned to play that were super authentic. Spirits are coming in and out of that home and they're coming and some are good and some are bad. Some are dark, some are light. It's white wolf, white wolf or dark wolf, wherever your journey takes you. Mm -hmm. And you lie on a mattress in a bed and here comes the great purge. The energy, the depth of sound, the sights, the, the we'll call them hallucinations, but, but it's better to say vision. The visions that transcend the laws of time and space. Whatever that was I saw, he's been there for 20, 30, 50,000 years. I'm a drop in the bucket compared to that guy. That guy's been moving around and 
it's a vision of, of a pharaoh or, a, or a, a lion or whatever it is. And, and that's the part I don't really want to get into. But what is happening is you're healing. I was healing. I had a trauma come up from childhood that I'd completely forgotten from when I was 16 years old. It was amazing that it came out how it did. I'm so glad it did. The, the medicine is going into your stomach lining, into your soul, into your brain, into your heart. Pick a chakra, any chakra. Unlocking and bringing energy that's been building up your, probably your entire, your entire life. And it's coming out. And that's where the toilet comes in. You're purging. You're purging and you're purging again. And you are purging what was purged and what's left after the purge of the purge, there's more to purge. It is a cleansing of your insides and your system like never before. And it's either going down or it's coming up. So you have a bucket beside your bed and a toilet around the corner. And it's one of the most beautiful, incredible, courageous things I've ever done. It was, it was insane and, and amazing and beautiful and, and helpful. I'm no longer afraid of death. I'm no longer afraid of death. And the next morning was a tobacco cleanse. 7 a.m. We wake up exhausted, as you can imagine. It was about a five or six hour journey. He makes this beautiful soup. We wake up and then it's a tobacco the night before we wake up. It's a tobacco cleanse. A tobacco cleanse is you drink tobacco. It goes into your stomach linings and it starts poisoning you for lack of a better word. but digging into your stomach linings to, to pull out energy that had been there for God knows how long. And you have one choice, let it poison you or drink this five gallon bottle of water that you brought and, and get it all up as fast as you can. So you wait about 45 seconds, it starts eating away at you. And then it's just a puke fest into the garden. And, and, and it's so fun. I'm, I'm competitive. So fun. Is it's so fun. <laughs> it's, so it's, fun. A, it's, a, it's a race against time. It's chess. It's a speed. It's a game of speed chess. Do you want the king is your own health and safety and, and your well-being. If you want to be checkmated, just don't drink the water and see how you feel. Holy it, shit. Do people like die or what? I don't know. No oh. one died that weekend. <laughs> if they if they do, that's their journey and so be oh. it, right? But yeah, no doubt. It's <laughs> funny. That's what I like what sorry to interrupt you. I like what you said about you're not afraid of death. Mm-hmm. And I feel this day and age and what's going on with the world, fear is controlling a lot of people and more specifically fear of death. Sure. And what's wonderful about medicine such as this, or it gives you that connection with, with spirit or seeing things from a different way. And yeah, in, in my opinion or truth or whatever you would call it, there is no death. Because we've talked about it, but like born again, or like it's just constant, like energy. Like Doctor Doctor Joe Joe Dispenza says, like is energy, and energy can never be created or destroyed. It just changes its form. So I don't know. I was talking about this, but <laughs> you're talking about not being afraid of of death, and yeah, that just resonated with me because it's true. I wish more people on planet Earth right now, and maybe that's what's happening, and the consciousness is shifting less people would be afraid. Yeah. Less people would be afraid mm-hmm. of dot, dot, dot. Yeah. Less people be afraid of all these things that we're afraid of. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. And ayahuasca brings your fears to right in front of you and puts you right in the firing line. You, you're scared of this? Here it is. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the vision of the thing that you've been putting aside for 35 years. I'm going to remind you of this trauma. I'm, I'm, I'm not only going to bring your fears to the surface, and this is the Friday night of ayahuasca. I'm going to give you a chance to heal it. I'm going to give you a chance to move forward from this point. Once you know, you can't pretend you no longer know. Mm-hmm. So Saturday night comes. So we rest all day Saturday afternoon. Saturday night comes ayahuasca part two, the light energy. Friday was the dark energy. Saturday morning was the tobacco cleanse. Giving, you the best, giving me the best chance to no longer have excuses and to see the things you need to, I needed to see to be ready for the rest of my life. Saturday night comes and it's light energy. The songs get more beautiful. The spirits are a little bit lighter. The hope, the love, the, the colors. Oh, the colors. There are no colors on earth that can compare to the colors I saw Saturday night of my ayahuasca weekend. The shapes, the geometricness. That's the part of the journey I can't explain. That's, that's what I can't share that. You cannot, I cannot explain how beautiful the colors and sounds and feelings were on Saturday. Light is there, Sunday morning hits, and it's a San Pedro day. And then all day Sunday, we start to understand our relationship with the earth. I've, I look at trees differently. I, 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 spiders, birds, ants, moths, they're they're different to me now because of my San Pedro experience on the Sunday. San Pedro being a cactus root dried thing. Uh, again, I don't, I don't do research. I just jump two feet in. So, <laughs> that's how I do things. Whatever, whatever, I was t- whatever Johan told me to do, I did. Same. There was a, became a healing journey for me and, and ultimately my sister. Uh, a lot of the weekend was around my connectedness with my sister. Hmm. And... and Sunday became the first Sunday of the rest of my life. That's so beautiful. What is one takeaway that you got out of your ayahuasca journey? What was the one big lesson that you learned? Lesson. To not fear death. The, the things that I saw Matrix revolutions would be a good reference. The connectedness of not only our soul, but our lifetimes with each other. The generational stuff where you're carnated one generation or two generations from now as a soul contract with the people you've been contracted with. Seeing that for the first time, imagining it, if you will, but being shown it the drop, the speck on earth that we are, this small little being in my own little world that I'm creating, who am I to live small? Who am I to, to, to be a part of this connectedness and not do my best or, or share my, my story or help people grow or be in service? And when my time is up, I know I'm going to be okay. 
and I know you're going to be okay. And, and that lesson and seeing that creates a fearlessness in the old playful paladin that I never had before. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you for sharing that. That's Thank you. a great insight to, and you probably, did you, did you, did you have an intention going into it or you're like, Oh, we'll just see what happens. Like you, I was kind of the see what happens guy. And, yeah. and now, now that I've done it, I would go in with a stronger intention, mm-hmm. but there's some, I left out some parts of my story from, from the trip to Mexico to uh, showing up at ayahuasca. But before that was a 10 day Vipassana. I did a 10 day silent meditation in Nepal, me sitting silent and quiet without interacting with human beings and meditating for 10 straight days, 10 hours a day. I'm lost in my train of thought here. I'm trying to bring this back to ayahuasca. What was I, how was I linking those two together? Not sure. (laughs) Uh, Talking about not being afraid of death. Oh, intention. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Intention. Yeah. Yeah. I realized how lost I was in my intention, how my journey was simply to run. So I was a cut and runner. Divorce, uh, sorry, quit my job, give my cell phone to my boss, don't worry about consequences, uh, take a gap year. Break up my, break up my wife, um, start running away from, from the town and my house and my responsibilities, break up with this girl and go around the world scuba diving, sell my company, simply leap into service. I cut and run. That's my, that is, that's how I run. The trauma that came up during ayahuasca reminded me why, one of the reasons why I do that. There was some history in my past that is evidence as to why I do it. When I went into my silent meditation, I had no intention. I didn't know why I was there. I had never meditated in my life. Wow. Yeah. Jump all, two feet all in. Two feet all in. I, I, I signed up, I signed up for uh, the pasta and went, this sounds fun. The, the clarity, understanding my brain, focusing on the fact that everything is impermanent, coming out of that, my, my intention became the rabbit hole itself, became how far, how deep can we go? How much can I learn about myself? What more is in my soul? I, I started to see things and feel things I'd never felt before. And I was open to this experience. I loved it. I felt alive and invigorated. And I was finally figuring out balance. So I went into the ayahuasca weekend open to whatever healing it was to show me. And Johan, at the very beginning, he looks at me and goes, I'm going to give you a little bit more than everyone else. And he looks at me and goes, you can hold your shit, right? You've done mushrooms before? And I'm like, yeah. And he's like, He's like, don't you go losing your shit on me. So I went in open. If I were to do it again, it would be with a very clear intention. Yes. I would want an intention. I, focus is something I've lacked my entire life. Mm. When I'm focused, when I'm disciplined, I'm being focused, I'm amazing. Chess, pinball, sports, sales competitions. Mm-hmm. But in general, I lose my focus very quickly. And I would certainly go in with a, with a stronger intention. Mm. Yeah. Because um, speaking about focus, you said that you had adult ADHD earlier. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's diagnosed, sad. diagnosed in March of, of this, this year. year. Holy of crap. This year. <laughs> wow. So what, what does that mean for you? <sighs> wow. It, it's, it's made a lot of things make sense the fidgety kid at the back of the class telling jokes, not being able to stay on task, cutting and running. 
looking at his phone, knowing he should be doing this. ADHD in general is, it's a, it's a brain disorder that affects all areas of your life. It's not just that goofy guy at the back of the class that I was. It's not the class clown. It's not that I don't pay attention. It's so much more than that. And what it is, is I've come to realize and learn, it's knowing what you should do, but not knowing how to, to do it. Not knowing how to do the thing that you know you should do. I've had hundreds of thousands of dollars in my bank account and simply played with it and, and not, didn't understand that I should be saving for the future. I should be building residual income streams. I should be smart enough to know it, not to ever lose this. I'm currently in debt. So I don't want to be a victim and it's really hard not to be a victim to know that I've lived my entire adult life, my whole childhood and my entire adult life, not having a clue that I had a brain disorder that is quite serious, more serious than we think. So I've lived in my toddler brain as opposed to my executive brain until March. And today I struggle with finding the right medications to allow me to focus and be more executive and be a man as opposed to being a child, be more of a paladin than a playful. I don't want to lose my, my, my playful side. I, I love games and fun and, and, and I have a good attitude and, and people genuinely love being around me. I don't want to lose that, but it's time to see how powerful I can really be with some focus. So it's been a shock. It was so easy to try and blame my parents, my ex-girlfriends, my group of friends, my sister. How the hell did I go this long in life and no one brought this to my attention? But the work I've done in the Excellent Series and, and with Be More You, I, taking responsibility for that and knowing that it's now and forward and going from this moment forward, I, I'm, I struggle with wanting to be a victim so bad and just going, that's an old story. Fuck it. It, it was your story. It's no longer your story. And, and somehow I want to be an advocate. I want to be a spokesperson for it. I want to show what can, what is possible when someone has a, a late life diagnosis so I'm currently on an amphetamine called Adderall. Uh, I just upped my dosage to 15 milligram pills, which in the ADHD world seems low, but I've always self-medicated through drugs and alcohol my entire life. I now know that. I look back and go, my finger, I still bite my fingers. I want to find a mix where I'm not completely reliant on it. I don't use it as an excuse or my story but it allows me my best chance to focus and be determined and stay disciplined on what I want to be right. Call it, whether it's building wealth, getting a job, staying in a relationship, uh, not cutting and running, but I still want to be as creative as possible. So I'm trying to strike that balance and it's a, it's a practice. It's a process. A practice and a process. Yeah. Thank you for being transparent with that. And I'm sure lots of people can honestly relate. I know a few people who also have um, ADHD and yeah, like that medication literally saves them Yeah, because they can't get anything done without it. So just honor where you are right now and yeah. that's all you can do. And I love what you said about 
not being a victim where it's easy to fall into that, but there's the absolutely no power. You give your power away being yeah. a victim. So thanks for putting that on there because I need to continually remind myself sometimes I fall into these like little valleys before the peak. And there's lots of people, I'm sure we all feel that way, especially this year, kind of, there was a lot of, a lot of peaks and feeling sorry for myself and being like, ah, I don't know what's happening and I'm not in control. And blah, blah, blah. <laughs> 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 but we are in control. Do you have ADHD? Maybe. I don't know. <laughs> okay. I, I was going to ask you, how did you get diagnosed? Did you just go to the doctor and be like, yo, I'm fucked. Help. <laughs> like, what did you do? No, I, I, I believe that my brain was normal. I, was, I believe that I'm, I've been confused as to why I was so much smarter than everyone. And then everyone sort of caught up and then everyone passed me. And I... And how did I have all this money in my bank account? Now I don't. Why do I keep going on these incredible journeys? And they're incredible. I've had an awesome life. Why am I always seeking instant gratification? Why are games more important to me than closing a deal where I could make five grand and then put that five grand away and then earn the right to play games? My reward system was backwards. I believe almost everyone in my life probably knew I had it, but it was a, a woman named Carla who I met in one of the excellence programs who be, has become one of my best friends. She flew to Africa with me for three months around the, the ayahuasca time. And she's just incredible. And, and she's, she's an analyzer. So she thinks she does research. She comes up with detailed reports and then reports them. And when I moved back to Port Moody, the first weekend, she helped me move in and we were just lying around and she said, hey, I have this thing I want you to look at. Um, are you willing to do like a self-test if I ask you some questions? I'm like, yeah, I'm game for anything. She's like, have you always bit your nails? Yes. Have you? Always? It was an ADHD self-test on the internet, 25 questions. If no ADHD is zero to 10, maybe ADHD is 10 to 30. Um, probable ADHD is 30 to 50 and anything over 50 is obvious. I was like at 87. So then I'm like, whoa, what is this thing? Okay, let's do another test. We do another test, same sort of scale, 50 questions, whatever. I score like a 93. I'm like, holy fucking shit. This is, of course I'm me. Of course I am. I started looking at all the characteristics in regards to paying attention and uh, things about my brain and blah, 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 blah. And, and, and the website that I would direct people to, if they're interested in, in, in getting a sense or checking themselves out, or at least just understanding what this is, it's simple. I have ADHD. Kirsten Carter. I went there. There's about a four minute video where she goes, hi, I'm Kirsten Carter and I have ADHD. Uh, it was, I, she, she talks about what it is. And I just started crying. I'm like, oh, my Lord, you are the first human being in my entire life that understands what's going on in my brain. And she understands what's going on in my brain because she has ADHD. And I just cried and went, wow. Like, I've always, I've always had, this has been with me since birth. And thank you, Carla. 
Because without that moment, who knows how long I continue to play. Uh, yeah. Kristen Carter. That's cool. her. She's amazing. This is your friend that you met. No. Carla's oh. my friend. Carla. Pointed okay. out to me. Kirsten is the is the professional that I've seeked that's assisted me with it. Cool. I'll take a look at that after. Yeah. It's real. Yeah. I know one you of know, my it, really it, good it, friends has it. And I uh I sympathize with him. And uh actually because he was he takes quite a bit of medication. And then I was like, you talk a lot about, like, I found us very similar and we, we clicked right away. And I'm like, you're, what you're talking about, what you struggle with. It's like, I struggle with that too. And he's like, well, you might have like a, you might be on lower spectrum of it. I'm like, okay. And then he gave me one of his medications to try. And I have never felt so focused in my life. And I, I was so productive that day. <laughs> I was like, wow. Like, this is like a, yeah, I mean, I know it's a drug, but it was almost like a, uh, what, what word can I describe it as? Just like a fast track or like a shortcut. I just felt really it's great. It's a superpower superpower yep superpower but I, I could also see how because that that drug riddle it's ritalin right or one of them is you ritalin's riddle i've not tried ritalin i'm on adderall or adderall I, I, a lot of people misuse adderall too like in which i didn't know i think it was past my university time but a lot of high school students and university students take adderall to like focus and study i hear this yeah don't have adhd so it's like oh yeah. So I the first this first time I took my Adderall, I organized and cleaned the garage. <laughs> <laughs> the, you know the set, I have color coded sports jerseys in my garage. That's amazing. I wh <laughs> like what like things have changed for me and and I had a really bad week last week. Uh, not a bad week. I had a good week to sit in my shit and learn. I'd ran out of I'd ran out of medication. Mm. I had given five of my pills to my friend in Thunder Bay and I have yet to check in with him because he, if I'm an 87, he's a 99. Oh, wow. And, and God bless you, Nathan. I hope, I hope, I hope we get to you because he, it was worth my bad week for him to have those five to see if that might change his life. And I had a chat with my, my doctor yesterday, Monday morning and said, 10 milligrams isn't working for me. I happen to have a very high drug tolerance. I mean, I've already told you some stories. You can probably guess why. Mm -hmm. And I'm up to 15. So happy to say at 7.30 this morning, which was an hour and 45 minutes ago, I popped a 15 milligram pill. I'm probably in the midst of the beginnings of the focusness. I have a drive and a determination towards my next big career. And I think this might be the amount that I, I think I'm now at a medication that isn't super high that I'm going to be messed up. And just enough to keep me focused and, and determined towards goals that I'm now setting that I've never set before. I schedule things. I set goals. I have a budget. Well, no, I don't, that's not true. <laughs> my girlfriend is working hard to have me accept her budget as my budget. So I'm excited about what's possible for me all of a sudden. I'm still young. I'm still healthy. I have this new perspective. I don't believe I wasted my 20s and 30s. I believe that was an incredibly beautiful lesson. And I've spent quite a few hundred thousand dollars on self-development <laughs> and, it, and it led me home with a bunch of cool uh, adventures. So 
Brent 2.0, Paladin 2.0 begins today with a coaching call at three o'clock, uh, a mastermind call that I'm super excited about with uh, a micro to millions group around abundance mindset. And I feel the excuses going away. I feel there's just less and less excuses. So that's so great. And that was a perfect yeah. segue because I was going to ask what is next for you? Because you've got coaching going on and you have a podcast that I was just <laughs> on a couple of days ago, Shockers and Shit. That's such a funny name. I love it. Uh, yeah. Like what's next for, for the Playful Paladin? What's next for Brent? What are, what are you offering? And I want to ask specifically, because I have a lot of women on my show and I've probably only okay. had a handful of dudes come on. Mm. So it's really great when guys come on to this. Is it, what can you offer the men in this what can I, space? Uh, 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 thank <laughs> you. That's, I love that question. Mm -hmm. The women are trying harder than us. The women are more open to this work there's a reason you've had more women on your show. There's, there's a reason why more women ask to be coached. My coaching background, which is my side hustle, it could very well be my, my primary job, but for the moment, it's a side hustle. I became a support coach through Be More You, which is a spinoff of the Excellence series. In January, I became a level one support coach. I am signed up and going to be in the leadership coaching program and the more course. I'm going to be an assistant in the back of the room, October 14, 15, 16th, or 15, 16, 17th, whatever that weekend is. By the end of that course, I realized I'm a pretty good coach. I don't have all the answers. I don't have the psychology background. But the model that I've been taught, you don't need that. You simply ask better questions because the person across from you has all the answers. That might sound like a cop-out to people. Oh, well, if you're not giving me advice, why would I sign up for coaching? Try it, try me, give me a chance. Give me a half an hour on Zoom, and then let's do a follow-up a week and a half later, and let's see if you're not a little bit closer to getting the thing that you say you want. So I decided to focus on men. They're hard to, to draw in, they're tough to schedule, because there's, there's more ego, there's less sensitivity, less authenticity. Our fathers, that generation, in many cases, they did something to us. And, and, and unraveling that, that story is a part of the rising consciousness. And if I can help a few more men leap into the journey that I've leapt into, to be a little bit more authentic, to, to let their guard down a little bit, Let's get under the surface. Let's see that thing that you say you want. It's probably around career, could be around relationship, might be around life's purpose. You might be looking for a healthier lifestyle. Whatever that thing is you need, I don't need to be an expert on that field to help you get to the place you need to go to take steps in the direction to get outside of your comfort zone and achieve better results in whatever that field is you say you need. So I began the Paladin Project. So paladinproject.life, P-A-L-A-D-I-N-P-R-O-J-E-C-T dot L-I-F-E. That's my little web, web page, which gets you to me. I'm happy to do a couple of free sessions, you know, 30 minutes, maybe a 15-minute consultation, 30 minutes on Zoom. Let's see how vulnerable you're willing to be. Let's see what, you're, what, what it is you want to become 
And if you think I can help you get there, let's go. And there's a danger in offering free coaching because I've done this with my friends. They don't show up. Their stories get in the way. There's nothing on the line. So what I challenge people, A, pay me because it's a service and it's not expensive and it's worth it. But put something on the line. Give me, give me your grandfather, grandpa's necklace. Give me your season's tickets to the Canucks. Give me something to hold to make sure you're accountable and you don't have to pay me money up front. We'll, we'll get to that if you decide that being a regular coaching client is going to be good for you. But it's all about expanding your comfort zone. If you're willing to be authentic, if you're willing to be responsible for yourself, I will help you get to that point, that thing, that, that nagging feeling that you have that's just outside your comfort zone because you've never been able to get there. That's why it's outside your comfort zone. You know, a comfort zone, the first line on my website is a comfort zone is not comfortable. It's just familiar. So if you really want that thing, you really want success in an area of your life, give me a try because success coaching is what I do and I focus on men. Now, I have, I have female clients because they're a lot easier to find <laughs> and they trust me and, and there's been some incredible results with some of my female clients. So it's not just for men, but um, give it a shot because coaching's like, really helped me. Coaching, and I believe everybody needs a coach. Even the top coaches have coaches. Like everybody should be accountable. I don't like using the word should, but everyone could be accountable to someone else just to keep leveling up because otherwise we get, you know, comfortable in our comfort zone or whatever you just said. You didn't say comfortable. Oh, What did you say comfort zone was? Familiar? Familiar. You get familiar in your comfort zone. Yeah, you get familiar. Uh, yeah. I love, I love it. I love it. Well, and, and like you said, I, I, I challenge anyone out there, find, find one famous actor, find one politician, find one athlete who doesn't have a coach. They all do. Find one. Uh, I dare you to. I have, an, I have an ADHD coach, Kirsten Carter. Mm -hmm. I have the coaching program with Be More You, where what the beauty of this program, and I think there might still be a spot or two left if someone wants to try and become a coach. We're starting in a couple of weeks, but there may be. We coach each other. So the beauty of the coaching program is I get to be coached. In the six months from January to June, when I was in the program, I had breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. And I help people have breakthrough after breakthrough after breakthrough. So I, I now understand the value of coaching more than ever before. So I have, a, I have an abundance coach uh, through Micro to Millions, Dan Mangena, who was on my podcast episode two. I have the coaching program, which means I have a different coach every week. And I have an ADHD coach. So I have three coaches in my life right now. And I'm achieving the things that I never thought were possible. So maybe I can be that beautiful. for someone else. That's beautiful. And you can. Someone yeah. else will hear this and resonate with you and your story. And what I've learned through this process, specifically in the last five years of like awakening and learning to be a teacher and also a coach is that not everybody will like you. And that's okay. That's okay. And that's totally okay. Because if you yeah. were... That's the thing. Human beings are, <laughs> we're funny in a way that we'll like some people and not others. And that's the beauty of being human because if we were all the same, it would be so boring. And I've learned to not take things personally, which is, have you read um, The Four Agreements? Oh my God, yes. One of the best books ever. <laughs> um, yeah. And a lot Toltec of- Toltec readings. Yeah, yeah, Toltec, yes. And basically to not take things personally 
your, the people that'll come to you or the people that resonate with you will, and those who won't will find someone else. And that's perfect. And that's okay. Yeah. Between the four agreements and the five love languages, you know, there's some concepts you could use the rest of your life and be, be just okay. Mm -hmm. Be more than okay. More than okay. Yeah. And I I love, Oh, sorry. (laughs) No, go ahead. Oh, I was just going to say, I, I resonate with what you spoke about with your fathers. Hmm. Cause I know, I know quite a few men in your age category that also have the same theme, like with their father and make not yeah. the best relationship with their dads and stuff. So I guess if anyone's listening at my call, or I guess our call to them would just be to, to clear that up and to get rid of that story or fix the story and turn a new chapter and start fresh if you can with the father. And even if you can't like, yeah, put that in the past and step into something new that you can stand for. Because if it's happened with you and a couple other people that I know in my life, it's probably also a generational thing. And that's, I think that's what the work is that we have to do now too, with the planet raising its consciousness is to um, quit the generational patterns and, and be, be the people that say it stops with us. So it doesn't continue onto a new generation. And that starts with working with our trauma and like what you did and going deep with medicine and figuring out why you are the way that you are. And it's probably because it's happened generation after generation. And I really do believe that now like men like you who are stepping up into this space and holding that container for others, that it's okay to, to feel it and we can transform it and we can, you know, come into a new earth rising together. Yeah. I love that. And I love being, a, I love you and your podcast and, and me and my podcast and just thinking that we're, our voices are hopefully, well, they are, they're, they're enacting change. Someone out there is going to hear this and do something different. Hopefully something better. Someone, I guarantee you, people heard you on my podcast a, a couple of days ago and they're going to do something different. They're going to try something new. They might reach out for support. You know, maybe someone out there has, is going to come face to face with their ADHD because of this conversation. Maybe someone's going to try ayahuasca and that's going to heal a childhood trauma. Who knows? Maybe, maybe the Akashic Records, someone's going to book an Akashic Record uh, hour with yourself and that's going to unlock that thing that they didn't know was there. This is, this is the rising con- consciousness. This is the work of the light workers, right? And I'm just proud to be a part of that, you know? It's an honor and I'm very grateful to have met you through this journey yeah. so far and I'm excited to see where it takes you and <laughs> I'm super excited for your podcast and what's to come with that too because podcasting is just so awesome and it's literally opened me up to amazing people that and then, yeah, just like you to meet like if I didn't mm. have a podcast like probably wouldn't have met you so awesome doing what you're doing i know your podcast chakras and shit is on all platforms so whoever's listening to this one go ahead and subscribe and follow brent on his i just left a review on your podcast so on itunes i don't know where else to leave it i don't know how to do it on anywhere else so i just always leave the review on itunes so i love that and it's chakras with an s so yes so (laughs) as a as a bit of a marketing move 
I, I had to have the word shit in there. The, the vision of chakras and shit was the name of my book and it came to me and I sat with it as the name of my book about some of my, my journey. And then I bought the domain and I'm like, how, how is no one, I'm telling you a secret by the way, right now, how, how has no one bought this domain? It's such a great name, chakras and shit. S-H-A-K-R-A-S-A-N-D-S-H-I-T.com. How's it only $6.99? This is such a, oh, I spelt chakras wrong. <laughs> I had I had no idea I spelt chakras wrong. I just went chakras and shit. And and I bought the domain and I I, I designed the logo and everything was going along. And then it was I, I looked at my my chakras book, which I have right chakras, in front of yeah. me. The book of chakras. Oh, there's a giant C. <laughs> <laughs> Did you look? Did you look on Google after his chakras and shit was taken? Uh, I think it's not. I, I don't think it is taken. I think oh. I could actually buy it if I wanted to and That's have awesome. both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do that. Have both. Anyway, so so That's chakras amazing. and shit with an S, and then on Apple, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Amazon, Google, all the podcasting places that I'm listed, uh, the shit has an uh, has a apostrophe. So it's S H A K R A S A N D S H apostrophe T. And on Google YouTube channel of the same name, you'll see myself and Queen Namaste mm. bantering back and forth. Um, and I believe you'll enjoy that episode as well, about an hour long. So. Thank you. I, I definitely yeah. did. And I'm so excited for people to hear you on mine. So where can people find you? I know you already said chakrasandshit.com. Like what's your Instagram? Well, I'm to go there. And if they want to book a coaching session, where do they go? Oh, thank you. Yeah. So, so my, my Instagram for myself is Playful Paladin, P-L-A-Y-F-U-L-P-A-L-A-D-I-N. That's me. There's a link there to my coaching website, which is paladinproject.life. My second Instagram account is Chakras and Shit, spelt out all the way, S-H-A-K-R-A-S-A-N-D-S-H-I-T. On my Paladin account is sort of my personal life and my coaching and Chakras and Shit is where I promote the show. You can go to www.chakrasandshit.com to download the podcast on Buzzsprout. I believe I have eight episodes up. Woo-hoo. And <laughs> up next is Tatiana, who's very touched in or tapped in with the 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 stars and the the planets and mm-hmm. full moons. And it's going to be very astrologically spiritual. I'm super excited to talk to her. So. Ooh, I love that. I love that. I'm excited. Well, you've got a, a listener for life. I'm super into all uh-huh. the people that you have uh, interviewed so far. So thank you for starting it. I love it. Brent, this was wonderful. Thank you for being open, vulnerable and showing up for this pod. And I can't wait to have you on again. Oh, uh-huh. thank you. <laughs> awesome. Namaste, Brent. Namaste, Queen. Namaste.